The theme of Matthew is the kingdom. And there's no greater way to kind of focus our attention, I think, on, on going into to the resurrection of Jesus than to go through his words and his, his theme of, of the kingdom. The kingdom is, is a very interesting word. Kingdom is um, the, the domain of a king. So our king is Jesus, and his domain, his kingdom, his kingdom domain um, is, is referred to in the book of Matthew as the, as the kingdom of heaven, but it's, um, it's not just about heaven. It's about more than heaven. It is, I mean, heaven's the greatest expression of God's kingdom, but it's, it's more than that. That's where Jesus will be Lord forever, and that's where Jesus says it's going to be so great there's no more death, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain, no more sin, no more consequences of sin, no more brokenness. Pretty good place. But he also says, just a few chapters into Matthew, pray this prayer. Thy kingdom, what? Come. Thy will be done. Where? Here on earth as it is in heaven. So all that greatness of heaven, until we're there, bring it on here. We, we, we want to be kingdom people. And so Pastor Matt began with saying, hey, the kingdom is about Jesus. And he comes and lives with us. And he's, he's God with us. That's his kingdom. And then John the Baptist says, hey, the kingdom's right here. It's now. Repent, which means you're going after your own kingdom. Stop, turn around, and consider this kingdom because there's, a, there's some benefits to it that you're going to want to know. And then Cameron last week talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest, the greatest sermon ever preached. I'm not talking about Cameron now, but I, <laughs> even though it was good. Uh, Matthew 5 through 7, hopefully this last week you spent some time in that, on the Sermon on the Mount and the values and the, 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 the culture of, of what that looks like, what the kingdom looks like. And now we come to the end of that in chapter 7, and Jesus is kind of wrapping it all up, and he gives like a, a word picture that is so simple but so powerful, so easy to understand, so hard to kind of just sink our teeth into it because it... It rattles our cage. But it's, it's one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, I think, in, in the whole book. So if you have your Bibles, look at Matthew 7, chapter 7, verse 24. And if you grew up in church, you, you, you know this story from Sunday school and children's church, and you sang songs about it. Here's, here's what Jesus says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus is basically saying as he closes this down, let me just, just kind of lay before you two people, two men, if you will. And implicit in this whole story is you identify yourself. Which one are you? And he starts to lay out some similarities between the two, and then he'll contrast the two. 
Let's look at some of the similarities first. He compares them and he says this. Verse 24 and verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock or who does not put it into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The, the first similarity is Jesus is saying, you know what, the, here's two guys and they both have the same dreams and goals in life. They want to build a house, which we, we kind of just flip over that, but think about this for a minute. This is not like Jesus going, uh, oh man, I got to think of a good illustration. Um, I read that little storybook on preacher illustrations and there's one about a builder. I think I'll, I think I'll use that one. Jesus is a carpenter. In fact, he was a carpenter longer than he was a preacher. And he and his dad had a, their own shop or whatever. We think often of the, being as a carpenter as, as like, well, he would made cabinets or furniture or whatever. But it might have been more than that. In fact, in Mark, the sixth chapter, they're trying to identify Jesus, trying to figure him out. And they go, isn't, isn't he the carpenter? Isn't he that carpenter's son? Who, who is this guy? And that word carpenter is used for a woodworker, using stone and using metal and all different kinds of material. So Jesus may not have only been like a cabinet maker or a furniture builder, but he might have been a house builder. He might have been an actual developer, him and his dad. So when he's using this, he's using it, and, and they're looking at him and going, isn't that, isn't that the builder right there? He's saying all these things, and then he starts, hey, hey let, me talk to you, let me talk to you a minute about building a house. Are you ready for this? And they're nudging one another. Yeah, that's that carpenter. Um, I just saw a home him and his dad built over like on Market Street in Central. It's pretty sweet. Joseph and son, you know, builders. It's pretty, well, well, he just remodeled our kitchen not long ago. It's, it's pretty nice. This guy does, you think they do good work? You think he and his dad do good work? You should see what he and his heavenly father do. Yeah, they built the whole universe. You're standing on the place that they built. Hebrews says they framed the world. When Jesus is talking about building, he knows a little bit what he's talking about. And he says, let me just tell you about two guys whose dream is to build a house. Now, the significance of that is pretty simple when you look at it. It's the metaphors to build a life. I mean, we can, we can see that pretty easily all throughout the Bible. And here, here's two guys wanting to build a life. They have, the, they have that in common. Most every nobody wants to go around just saying I, I'd like to I'd like to have a lousy life, you know I I hope I can I can hope I can have a, a life of destruction and deterioration and when it's all over I just sing wasted days and wasted nights you know I, nobody does everybody wants a significant life a successful life a joyful life a life of purpose and Jesus says here's two guys and they have that same the same desire same dream but it might mean a little more than that in the Bible. Sometimes when the Bible uses the word house, it's talking about a family. The house of David, for instance, in the Old Testament. It's, it's, so it's as these guys are saying, hey, not only do we want to build a life, we want, we want to build a family. No one sets out trying to have a horrible family life. Everybody wants a good family. I mean, I marry people every now and again and we'll sit and we'll talk and we'll plan the wedding out and a little premarital counseling. Sometimes I'll go, okay, we're getting ready. Your wedding is on the 28th, and da 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 da, da. Get that all planned out. So when, when are you planning your divorce? I won't even look at it. When are you planning your divorce? 
And, uh, and, the, and the, the gal always like looks at her fiance going, where'd you get this guy? Because that's a pretty goofy thing. And, and they'll kind of look at, you know, well, Don has a sense of humor. He's just being funny. And people that really know me know I'm not joking. So when you plan on getting a divorce? Nobody ever says, well, about seven years. Nobody ever says until, you know, what they say is, we're in love. We're in love. We'll live on love forever. I mean, we'll never, nothing. Nobody plans on that kind of thing. We want to build a house. Nobody ever says, I want to raise a family of a, you know, of a bunch of delinquents. You know, I hope we have family conflict all of our life. I hope we never get along. I hope when we get nobody ever, nobody ever says. I hope, I hope our kids go to prison. You know, nobody ever says that kind of thing. We want a happy home. We want a joyful home. Here's the guys that had the same idea. Want a nice life? Want to build a house that's happy home? Or the Bible takes it another step and says it could be. Um, Ministry. It could be a church. Oftentimes in the Bible, there's a, it's called the household of faith throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, the temple is referred to as the, as the, uh, the house of God, the very place God dwelt, lived. Nobody wants to go to a, a dilapidated old ministry or church where everybody's dead and dying and mean and toxic and boring and I'm just talking about the pastor, even. You know, <laughs> no, nobody wants that. Everybody wants to go to places alive and vital. We, we want to we have a ministry. McDowell Mountain, we want to have a ministry in a church that's exciting and meeting needs and changing lives and making a difference in the community. And, and when we start to talk about expanding and, and you know, you're going to have to park in a different place and there's going to be holes that you're going to fall in and you know, bury your kids and come back the next week and dig them up again. You know, I mean, all the, all the, all the things you have to put up. Why would we do that? Because we're not building the house. You are the house. We're just expanding more room for the house to come apart. We, we want to be a part of a ministry that's alive and vibrant. We're so excited to be able to do that. Or, and or, the Bible says a house sometimes is even beyond that. The Bible refers to the house of Israel, the nation of Israel, the society, the culture of Israel. And so the house, the house can be more than that. It can be, it can be our neighborhood. It can be our community. It could be our state. It could be our nation. It could be the world. And nobody wants, a, nobody wants a nation that's crumbling and falling. And some of the things that break our heart as you watch the news every week, it's like, oh, man. It's, I mean, it's hard the political divisions that, that are going on and the, the racial conflict that we're facing and the factions and the friction and, and the violence and the name-calling. I mean, we can sing God bless America all we want. We can do the Pledge of Allegiance all we want, but it doesn't take much to step back and look around and go, you know what? Our nation is it's going through some tough times right now. And here's, here's whether it's your life or your family, your church and ministry, or your community, or your very nation, or society itself. Here are two guys that have this in common. They're, they want to build a, a healthy, strong house. That's their dream. Second thing they have in common, Jesus said, they hear the words of mine. 
They hear my teaching. They hear my words. They both had that in common. I don't know if they went to the same church. I don't know if they went to the same Bible study or, or if uh, they were out at the Sermon on the Mount. But they, they heard the words of, of Jesus. I mean, every now and again, you might get a, a halfway decent message from me, get a good one from Matt, but they heard it from Jesus. In fact, at the end of that chapter, it says they were amazed. They were amazed at his words. They had such authority, such power, such pop. It just grabbed them and held on to them. Not like the teachers that they're used to. I mean, when you walk out of here and, and you're amazed at the message I give, you're going, I stayed awake for two-thirds of the thing. I'm amazed that I made it that far without falling asleep. I didn't. They were amazed at the power. Jesus spoke like no one else. And they both heard the Son of God teach and speak the truth of God incarnate before them. It's not like one was a pagan and one was a Christian. One was a follower of Jesus already and one was just some you know, guy that never heard anything. These were, these were both people that had heard the word of, of Jesus himself. They had that in common. Third thing they had in common was the storms. A storm. Maybe the same storm. It's kind of the idea is that they, they faced the same exact storm together. Storms in the Bible are trouble, tribulation, problems, obstacles, conflict. You know what storms are. In fact, one man said, everybody is either in a storm or coming out of a storm or about to enter a storm. Doesn't that encourage you? Some of you are going, like, I, I'm all three. I got all three of them going on right now. Um, every now and again, well, not, almost all the time now, in your mail, your snail mail, you get little things that say occupant or resident, which means we don't care who you are. It's just for you. It's for everybody. That's what storms are. We don't, it, it, we don't care who you are. It's just here's your storm. I, I would love to say you'll never have a storm. Just come to Jesus. Just believe Jesus. Just go to church. Just, just give in the offering. <laughs> and I promise you, no storms. It'll be rainbows and it'll be sunshine and marshmallows. And, and it's just not the case. In fact, Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you'll have trials. In this world, you'll have trouble. In this world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I've come. But you will have storms. Storms are part. These guys had the same storm that they faced. But that's about where the comparison ends. And now he kind of flips over into a contrast. And he says, okay, let me tell you the difference between these two guys. One is a wise man. One is a fool. So you don't get offended. One is a wise man and one is a fool. It's not like this is wise and that. Marty was getting upset with me already when I was. <laughs> wise man, fool, wise man, fool. I mean, who? That's about as drastic as you can get. What would make a wise man? Jesus says, well, let, let me tell you. When you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice, you're wise. So somebody that takes the truth of God's word, the truth of Jesus, and applies it specifically to their situation in life. That person, Jesus said, is wise. The foolish person 
has nothing to do with education, has nothing to do with how many degrees you have, your, B, your, your bachelor's, your master's, your PhD, smart, not so smart. It has nothing to do with that. We all know educated fools. It has nothing to do with education. Jesus would say, here's what makes a person foolish. When they hear my words and they don't put them into practice, that they either refuse to or have don't have the capability of understanding it or whatever, to refuse to understand it, they're simply foolish. Wow. I mean, those are, those are almost fighting words if you're sitting there listening to him. You better be the son of God if you're making that kind of claim. And then he says, you know, everybody, everybody can have the same thing. I mean, a wise man can, can have, have a, a dream to, to have a great life, and a foolish man can have a dream to have a great life, a great house. A wise man and a foolish man can both be um, listening to the words of Jesus. A wise man and a foolish man will have storms. The difference is this little thing called a foundation. Those who put in practice what I teach you, it's like building on a rock. Those who don't put into practice my words, it's like building on sand. And here's, here's the builder coming through again. Jesus understands very well. I mean, he, he knows the good houses and the not-so-good houses around town. He knows the houses that have made it and the houses that have been destroyed. He's, he has seen all that, and he looks at them and just says, here's a, here's a drastic difference. This guy built on a rock. This guy built on sand. Building on the rock takes a lot more time. Building on the sand, you can start overnight. You can start tomorrow on the sand. Building on the rock is hard work. Building on the sand, a lot more easy. Building on the rock costs a lot more. Building on the sand, pretty cheap. In fact, I could imagine as these guys built, the guy that was building on the sand, he had his house built long before the guy on the rock did, probably bigger than the guy on the rock could build, and less expensive than what he was building. So he's done, he's in his home, he's over inviting him to a barbecue this weekend, and this guy is still working on his, on his foundation. And oh, by the way, buddy, uh, don't worry about bringing anything. You're putting all your money into your foundation. Just come on over and enjoy our party. The rock in the sand. <laughs> Jesus says, let me just tell you, it makes all the difference in the world where you build. Now today, we look at it and we go, can I, um, can I just take the words of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus and use it as decoration rather than a foundation? I've already got the house built. I've already got it all laid out. Can't I just, you know, like Christmas lights so that everybody will walk by and go, hey, they're a Christian. We'll put little crosses and those fish things all over the window, and they'll know. And so we'll show up on church on Sunday, and people will go, hey, you're a follower of Jesus, because I can see the decorations. Isn't that enough? Jesus would say, no, it's not. Not only to hear the words, 
but to make it the very foundation of your life, to build your life, your family, your church, your nation on that. A foundation is so important. There's a, there's a sister church that we have down in Ahwatukee that they put the freeway, the 202s going around from, from the 10 going around and reaching the 10 over on the other side of South Mountain, and they're, they're building the 202 there. And, and so they, they had to tear their church down. They rebuilt their church in a different place. But one of the, the people that worked in the office has a husband who, who basically, it's his company that builds those big pillars that hold up the overpasses. And um, I got to talking to him one day about that. It's pretty fascinating what they do. And he was telling me how, they, how the foundation has to go so deep into the ground. He says, what you see up on top is nothing compared to what you see underground. This thing has to not only outlast our life, it has to outlast generations of people. People's lives depend on this kind of thing. This is a very important. So deep, deep, deep into the ground we take that. And, and I got to thinking, you know, that's, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. I mean, if you're going to build a skyscraper, you have to have a huge foundation that goes deep into the ground. It's different to have a skyscraper that you build than a chicken coop. A chicken coop, you don't need a big foundation. Here's the way it is with most people today. They want to build skyscrapers with chicken coop foundation. And they wonder why it's all falling apart. And even church people who will go to church and they'll hear the words of Jesus. They'll hear the sermon on Jesus. They'll sing songs about Jesus. They'll go home and get a podcast on Jesus. They'll live stream messages on Jesus. They'll go to Christian concerts to hear about Jesus. They'll hear Jesus. They'll read books about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But never put it into practice. Never apply it to life. Never do anything more than decorate to look good. And Jesus says, you might be church people, but your church fools. See why they don't let me preach very often? <laughs> we won't need to expand the church very much if I just uh, keep coming up here. We'll just be plenty of open seats. What'd your, what'd your pastor do? He called me a church fool today. Oh, great. Where do you go to church? We can go there next week. I mean, Jesus, would you just, would you think about that? You hear something, you believe in it, but you never, you never put it in practice. One of the things that difference between this old, this, this old part of the church that we're in, <laughs> and that sounds funny, this old part and the new part that was built a couple years ago and probably some of the new stuff that's added on is, is they have these, these um, light things that, that are monitor driven. So you walk into a room and it just -da, automatically comes on. The motion turns it on. And uh, I, I think it's really, I just like to go do that. I just, for, and, and, and it's an amazing thing. Um, a lot of places do that now, and you never know, like, like when you go into a bathroom, you never really know, is it going to come on, or am I going to fumble around in the dark forever? And, and for me, because I, you know, I have this, this lack of mobility, so if I go into a bathroom in the dark, and it closes the door and it's dark, I may be in there for a long time. <laughs> And, uh, and so I'm, I'm always wanting to know, and, and so I, I, I'm reaching around trying to find is, is a switch, and then I have, to, I have to step into this room and hope it goes da da And sometimes I take two steps and still nothing has happened, and then I'm too far from this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in therapy, but um, <laughs> what, I, what I love about those things, that's, that's the word, that's what Jesus' teaching is all about. 
The teaching is there. The truth is there. The power is there. The, the electricity is there. But you've got to move on it. You've got to act on it. You gotta, you've got to apply it to your life so that the word of God is true whether you act on it or not. The word of God is electric and powerful whether you act on it or not. But it's not activated in your life until you take a step on it. God always, always acts in response to the acts of people. Moses, reach out your staff. He reaches out his staff and the, and the Red Sea parts. Joshua, tell the priests to put their feet in the, in the river at flood stage. They put their feet in the river and it blockades up and they pass through dry land. Mary, roll the stone away. She rolls the stone away and Lazarus is able to come forth. It's always in response. Here's the potential of God's word. Here's the potential of Jesus' teaching. But it's dormant if it just lays there. The Bible is nothing to us if we don't put it into practice. And that's what makes us wise. That's what makes us foolish. And those are hard words to hear. Those are tough words. We don't, we don't like to talk that way today. But man, when Jesus closes up this, this passage, he's, he's, he's rearing back. He's, he's holding nothing back. He says, you know what? There's, there's two paths. One's wide, one's narrow. Take the narrow one, will you? The path that's wide goes to destruction. There are two gates, a wide gate, a broad gate, a narrow gate. Take the, take the narrow one. The broad way, where that leads, you don't want to even go. There are two kinds of trees. One with good fruit, one with bad fruit. You'll know somebody by their fruit. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, after me. Uh, some of my own, I don't even know who they are, even though they call out my name. I mean, he's just, he's just letting them have it. And here he just basically says, there, there are two kinds of people. There's a wise person, there's a foolish person. The wise person hears the words of Jesus, puts it into practice. The foolish person hears the words of Jesus, does not put it into practice. <laughs> God's way, the king's way, the domain of the king, or what everyone else says. And when they conflict, it's what God's way is, not what everyone else says. But I build my foundation on what everyone else says. It's my education. It's, it's what people say. It's what I was taught. It's my tradition. It's what makes sense to me. It's what the people, it's what my professors said. It's what the people in my office say. It's what common sense says. I built my foundation on that. But if it contradicts the foundation of God, God's still right. I don't like to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't even believe it. I don't believe what you're saying. Here's the interesting thing. This one just blows me. Are you ready for this? I'll be done here pretty, minute, pretty quickly. Here's the, <laughs> here's the interesting thing. You really don't know who the fool and the wise person is until the storm comes. It's the storm that reveals who is really wise and who is really foolish. That's amazing. Why do I have storms in life? Why does God allow storms in my life? Because it helps me look at my foundation and recognize it. Because I could think I'm building on solid ground all the time. In fact, if you probably did a poll back in those days and you looked at the man who built on sand, beautiful big house, less expensive, quicker to build, easier to build, 
beautiful place, and you put the guy on the rock next to his, even if they were the same house, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference on a sunny day. Everything's nice, everything's good, everything. In fact, you would say that guy on the sand is the wise guy because it cost him less. He bought, got more for the money. Look where it's at, nice little beautiful sandy beach area. But the storm reveals who is foolish and who is wise. The storm doesn't ask if you agree or not. The storm just comes. And those built on the sand will find as the rains come down and the floods come up and as the wind beat against your life, your house, your family, your church, your nation, that if it's built on sand, it starts to deteriorate. And maybe, remember the old song when we were children in church and the house on the sand went flat. Kids love that. I kind of like it myself. <laughs> Except I've seen too many lives go So Jesus, you think he would just kind of hang around and talk. He doesn't say much after that. He just goes on. Leaving them to deal with it. Which, which person are you? Which person are you? When I was a kid, almost every Christmas for about three years, I got a, I got a little gift. Same gift. Because I, I needed to get it renewed every year. Up on the screen... You'll see it. Any of you ever get one of those? That clown? You could just beat the tar out of that thing, and it pops back up. I love that. In fact, every boy growing up, all the junk that they get now, they don't, they, all they need is a clown like that, a couple Tonka toy trucks, and a Schwinn bicycle, and they're good. That's all they need. I'm thinking of getting myself one of these here anyway, as an adult, put it in my office. In fact, I know some faces I'd probably put on that as well, but that's a whole other story. But you, you, you whack that thing, you just you, you hit it, and boom, it goes down, and boop, pops back up. And you hit it twice, boom, boom, wow, wow, back up. Hit it three times, wong, 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 back up. Bam, 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 back up. I love it. That's what life does, though. Storms come, the rain starts to drop, the floods start to come up, and bam! Sometimes it's bam, bam, bam! Wham, bam, 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 bam! Pop, back up. Every now and again, it's the storm of all storms. It's the rain comes down and down and down, and the floods come up and up and up, and the wind just is torrential, and you're going bam, 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 bam! And it's like Satan is throwing everything at you. Bam, 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 bam. But Jesus says, when you build your house on the rock, it goes bing. And that's kingdom living. As we close today, there's a cross, some candles, communion. Jesus wants to meet you there. If you have a prayer that you want to leave or something you want to put at the cross, do so. If you want to light a light of hope, 
Do you want to remember the bread, his body broken, blood of his new covenant of love? As we sing, just respond to him. Just respond to him. And I leave you with this thought. You'll never, you never can build the, the foundation in the middle of a storm. You can't. Not a hurricane. You can pour the foundation before the storm. You can repair the foundation after the storm. But when it's windy and blowing and raining, you're not going to be able to build it. All you can do then is grab a lifesaver. And as Jesus goes to the cross to give us that lifesaver, he says, I'm with you. I'll pull you out. And when you get pulled out, don't go back to the same foundation. Don't go back to the sand. Hear his words. Hear the words of Jesus. Build a life. Build your family. We're building this church. Let's build this nation on the rock, the cornerstone. Amen?